0: Hi, I'm Courtney.
1: And I'm Corey. This is the Get Hired Online podcast brought to you by PostStatus, the show where we talk about careers in the web industry.
0: From customer support through company founders, we'll learn about job roles, technical skills, and hiring needs to get hired online.
1: Everybody, welcome to episode three. In this episode, Courtney and I are going to be talking about the learning the essentials, the minimum things from tools, skills, even we're going to dive into some etiquette, just kind of give you a, an overview of what we think are the essential terms. A lot of these things are going to be terms. We're going to have links in the show notes, but to give you like a, a really good primer on working in a remote WordPress workplace. So Courtney, I'm, I'm pumped about this because this this is getting into more of the nitty gritty a little bit. We're not, not going to do deep dives into all these, but we're just going to give enough terms where they can Google on their own for sure. Um, But when we think about this, what are the skills, tools, knowledge, all that kind of stuff, the basic and the essentials, what's the first thing you think about?
0: Your WordPress.org profile. So in the WordPress space, WordPress.org is used for, you could go there and download. We'll talk about these terms, plugins and themes. You can get stuff there. You could also track activity there. You could also earn badges for participating on some of the teams there. Your profile is your positive record, we hope, of all of your activity inside of WordPress.org. Also, that is used if you are uh, writing on the team sites, or if you are attending a WordCamp, they would like to know what your .org profile is so that they can share that on the attendees list. To get a .org profile, you go to login, dot wordpress.org to create your first account. If you happen to be in parts of the site where it has in the top right corner, a little login link, that's also good too. To see your profile once it's made, it would look like it's available for you at profiles.wordpress.org slash your username. profiles with an S, dot wordpress.org slash your username. When you are completing this profile, you can do all kinds of good stuff. You can even hook up your GitHub account to this, you can showcase areas of the project that you volunteer time to in some capacity. You can connect a couple of your social media accounts to it. It's worth filling out your profile and letting people know where else they can find you along with the keywords that you would like people to know about. In the WordPress space, we look at each other's profiles. If we see someone left a comment or a link, or if we're looking over the attendee lists from attending a WordPress event altogether, we might look at each other's profiles to get the backstory of where does that person work? What did they do? Tell me more about their activity. What are their favorite plugins, themes, things we'll talk about more. Um, also as a pro tip, having spent years working in customer support for a company that has a plugin listed in wordpress.org, the support folks, look at how you have rated and reviewed plugins. If you swing through on some plugin, just to leave a nasty comment, Well, the support people, first thing they do is they click on your name and they go to your profile and look at your track record. Employers are even starting to look at your WordPress.org profile as well. I've seen on GiveWP's website that they ask for the WordPress.org profile link in the application. So that means that even inside the employer space, whether you're going to work in support or not, they're going to look over your profile and having a profile that is filled out that shows that you have been a good participant in the ecosystem will help you with getting the job, I think.
1: So basically you're saying, if you want to be one of the cool kids, go get a wordpress.org user profile. But like anything on the web, you want to be careful of the reputation of the image you're kind of sharing through that profile. So be a cool kid, go get wordpress.org profile. And you're right, you know, all the WordCamps I've done over the years, uh, I'm not sure if I've actually ever left a a review um, on a WordPress.org plugin, maybe my own at some point or the ones we owned as a company, Um, but they were used at WordCamps, which is so cool. And uh, so a bonus tip on that WordPress.org profile, depending on where you're trying to hook into the WordPress ecosystem and work, um, being helpful you know, that gives you an ability to actually help other people in the forums. And I'll tell you the companies that you might be looking at uh, trying to get hired for would be um, appreciative of good support help that you do. And it's a great way to learn. It's a great way to show off your skills and get a little bit of credibility. So be a cool kid. Okay. Thanks for that, Courtney. Now let's talk about WordPress knowledge. I mean, if you're going to board work- work for a WordPress company, WordPress team, you probably want to know some of the WordPress lingo. Where should we go to learn more about that? And can you give us an overview about some of the big terms?
0: Yeah. So already we mentioned plugins and themes. A plugin adds extra functionality to your website. If I were comparing it to a mobile device, it would be the apps on your mobile device. A theme is the outside, how it looks for the most part. And That would be like the case that you put on your phone or the outside of the phone itself. What color does it come with? So plugins, themes, if you hear us say admin or the admin dashboard that talks about when you log into your site in the WordPress space, sometimes we refer to front and back end in ways that are different from the rest of the web dev world. The rest of the web dev world might look at backend as meaning specifically the information that passes on to servers. Sometimes you might hear people say, though, in the back end of my site, they mean in the administration dashboard or in logged into their WordPress websites by that. You can go to places like wordpress.org support or developer.wordpress.org to read lots of additional articles. WordPress.org support is primarily oriented at those that are going to be creating content up through administrating a site. They might use a plugin or a theme to customize the functionality of their site. Whereas developer.wordpress.org are for those that are specifically creating the plugins, the themes, what have you, and wanting to learn more information. So there are lots of terms all over these sites. As you start going into both of the links that were mentioned, you could click through to start reading what some of these things mean. Another big one I would be remiss not to say is blocks and Gutenberg. Uh, Gutenberg is the code name for the new entire interface overall, and there is a plugin by that name. We refer to most things, though, as a block or the block editor because it is the interface that we're using. Um, there are lots of additional nuances, and maybe I'll link to a good article explaining the difference between these two things. But a block is simply a small chunk of content, and now that can live anywhere in your site. Posts, pages, inside of the theme, in your footer, in the widgets. These are all terms that you'd want to be familiar with. And if you check out .org support, you'll find all of these terms there.
1: So if you, uh, we should also tell them like that, when how to get to the admin, to the uh, admin dashboard for WordPress. Yeah. This is one of the cool things I think, part two of being a cool kid is knowing how to. you can go to any site and kind of do this most likely and see if they're using WordPress if you don't use the inspect tool on your browser, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but would you mind sharing how they can, the the admin link to get into the dashboard?
0: Yeah, the the long one is wp-login.php, but what we generally all do is type in whatever the site address is, slash wp-admin at the end of a URL. If you're not logged in, it will prompt you to go through that login experience to help you get logged in. And that takes you into the interface where you get to write the content or change the theme or change the plugin, whatever it is that you're doing in there.
1: So on all the terminology you talked about, I mean, the WordPress.org site itself is an amazing resource. I learned most of the things I know about WordPress from um, the Codex at WordPress, and so mm-hmm. spending some time going around there and knowing those differences, and and if you have a question, typically there's a doc out there that you could probably search for and learn yeah. more about it. But just knowing admin, plugin, theme, those differences, how to get to the back end or the dashboard, like Courtney said, of a uh, WordPress site is is pretty good. The next one I think I think we should mention, and this would warrant at some point for us that to get hired podcasts and what we do at PostStatus to dive in like full on with this. But it's just a quick primer on security best practices in that knowledge space. As web citizens, we these are things that will never go away. Security is an essential part of what we do, how we live now. And uh, there's a couple of things we just wanted to mention that you need to know at least and do some dive in about uh, for security purposes. Uh, Now, this is one dear to my heart because I've been burned by it pretty bad. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's two concepts, really. Strong passwords, we'll talk about what that means. And the second is two-factor authentication. But would you share a little bit about that, Courtney? What is a strong password? How do you get that? And then the second is, what is two-factor authentication or 2FA you might see on a lot of your devices?
0: Yeah. So when you create an account somewhere, they often will give you some very long string of, a, of text for a user password. That password is visible only basically to your eyes. Um, it is important to have strong passwords and WordPress will bug you. I'll say kindly, if you do not have a strong password, it will tell you your password's not very strong. Are you sure you want to proceed with this? In doing so, I would never recommend that on a real server, you ever use admin and password as your login or your password name. In fact, I would make your login name not be your actual first name, especially if that is visible somewhere on your own website. So if you're showing who wrote an article, don't make that the login name for starters. Have a strong password, something that's really long. If you need to use a generator tool, there are lots of password management tools that people use now on their computers. Um, I've seen a few different ones that are open source and paid services. Some offer a free tier if, the, if you're just taking care of yourself. Some companies will also offer part of that package sharing a, a password management tool as well. Um, and then finally, you could also have tools that are two-factor authentication. There are some plugins in WordPress that do this. There are some other ways to achieve it as well. But basically it's going to send you an email or a text or depending upon the system, how you set it up, that once you put your name and password in, it's still going to send you an additional confirmation asking you, please type this extra thing in to confirm that you are in fact, not a robot, not a spam bot, not a malicious intent person, that this has gone to somebody's actual email or phone to confirm that this is a legit request. A lot of times those two are, also somewhat based upon where you're located. So if it seems like you've shifted to a different location for your internet connection than you normally use, then it might ask you again.
1: Security is an issue, like we said, it's not going away. And it's very important to WordPress. Just being a web citizen is one thing, but WordPress specifically. And I wanted to say the strong passwords uh, on that note, just real quick. The two that I've used are Mm lastpass.com and one, just the number one, password.com. So two, I think both have free versions now. I'm pretty sure one password does. I'm not sure just yet about LastPass. I actually use LastPass personally and have for about five or six years. Um, But the idea behind the strong password is you can't remember the password because it's so unique so that it can't get hacked easily. Because if you're using the Spaceballs password for the luggage, one, two, three, four, five, six, you're going to get hacked. And that's a... Big football, no, 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 no. And you don't want to get to an organization and do something like that for sure. So that's why we're bringing these up. And then two factor is a fact of life too, especially you've probably seen this around your banking institutions, um, things that have to do with your money. They typically have uh, two factor. Google's services, which we'll talk about here next in the tool section, also has two factor in the, authentication, um, and those are just really good web security best practices. The two, uh, you know, I think we should mention also, Courtney, is domain names and web hosting, and probably should have done that first, but I got them out of order. But domain name and web hosting, knowing the difference, and we know this is basic for a lot of people. However, we want to give primer for all people trying to break into um, WordPress. You'll need to know these nuances. Yeah. So as someone who works for, I think <laughs> the biggest, largest domain name registrar in the planet, what is a domain name? And what is web hosting, Courtney?
0: <laughs> sure. So they are very tightly woven together. Sometimes I liken it to having a post office that you go to. You say, I want a box, that's your domain name. And you say, Great, now give me access to my box. That's the hosting. So where you tell people to go, that's your address. We no longer need dub 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 in front www in front of most domain names, you go to poststatus.com. If you go to godaddy.com, you will find those are domain names. Um, You can purchase domain names for yourself or companies may have them and share access to them. Once you have that domain name, you then need to assign it. Where is the box located? So if we're back to the post office analogy, if I ask the post office clerk, I would like a box and they say, great, here's box 81. Now you need to go over to where box 81 is and make sure that the number's on the box. So that's where your web hosting would be. And web hosting is storage space on a computer. Sometimes we say it's in the cloud or whatever. There's a there's a machine somewhere that's hooked up to big wires, connecting it to the rest of the internet. And web hosting is where you store all the files. So your domain name and your web hosting could be purchased at the same place or different places. You can tell your domain name, this is where my files are stored. And on that location where web hosting is located, there are usually some tools these days that will help you with a famous five-minute install of WordPress or less. So a lot of the web hosts have an easy click interface to get WordPress up and configured for your hosting situation. And then you could get off and building your site.
1: Okay, thanks for that. So there's in a nutshell some of the common terms around WordPress WordPress websites that you need to know. And then we've thrown in some security best practices for you that you can all, there's tons of sites out there to learn more about all these things. But to give yourself familiarization with all of this, I think that's a great, great like primer. So let's turn now, Courtney, to tools and familiarization with those tools that WordPress uh, remote-based companies typically use. And the biggest one, that I think about, uh, besides the one we're using right now, is is Slack. Uh, Now, with the pandemic in the last year, and a year and a half or so, uh, I think Slack's become, I even saw uh, an advertisement about it. I was kind of shocked, um, because it's been an ubiquitous tool with tech companies for a long time. But uh, the world just got introduced to some of these tools. Tell us what Slack is, uh, and then we'll kind of go through. We've got Zoom on here. Google Suite or G Suite, project management. We're going to talk about some browser tools.
0: Yep. So Slack is a chat room of sorts. If I were to break it down really simply, it is meant for asynchronous communication often. So to break that down even further, imagine you walk into a big room and inside of that room, there are different groups, different corners maybe to go to. We have channels in Slack. Those channels might be specific teams. It could be specific topics. It depends upon each organization and how they find it best to organize all the information. Some of those can be public and some of them can be private channels or specific group messages. Knowing how to use Slack is really important. Um, If you are interested in finding a Slack to join, make.wordpress.org slash Actually, it might be chat.wordpress.org is the correct link. Chat.wordpress.org. And that will help you get set up with the WordPress.org project's Slack interface. Uh, PostStatus has a great Slack community as well. And in there, we have a lot of really great contributors, a lot of great participants in the PostStatus community. I know inside of GoDaddy, we have Slack and our Slack system, There's one channel that's dedicated to announcements and nobody else is allowed to talk in there. And then we have the random channel and the water cooler channel and specific employee groups, areas of interest. Um, Women in Tech is the one I hang out in or the allies one sometimes for support there as well. But each Slack community will have kind of its own etiquette. In some cases, it's totally appropriate to thread, meaning make comments similar to the way we do on Facebook to thread your messages. And In other communities, they would like everything brought to the main room or the main channel. It depends upon accessibility needs and general culture of the community and how easy or fast the chat happens to be moving. So Slack, get some experience with it. You can feel free to lurk. Know which ones are the right places to have general chit chat. Corey, you mentioned Zoom. Where would we be during a pandemic without Zoom?
1: And of course there's alternatives to all these, but these are the ones that I've been most familiar with um, and most companies in WordPress will too. And Zoom is actually how we're recording this podcast right now. Um, If you're listening in, you can't see our pictures, but um, Zoom, as you know, is video conferencing software for one-to-one or groups. Uh, I use Zoom uh, five hours a day, I bet. I bet I'm on Zoom five hours a day now. And that's just about what I do in the world. But on Teams, particularly remote Teams, uh, you'll find something like Zoom or Google Meet even that's being used. So just being able to fire it up. Now, Zoom, you can get a free account there too. uh, And, um, you know, have your mom or your sister or, you know, some friend in another city wire up Zoom and get a free account and then uh, Zoom each other just to, to know that. The next one that we've talked about. Is uh, and just basic familiarity on that. I think Courtney, don't you? Mm-hmm. Is just being able to like understand and click the link, you can call in. I've got, by the way, uh, we can talk a whole another podcast about um, work life balance and boundaries and all that. But I personally have Slack, Zoom apps on my iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, so they all have free apps for all that. And it's a nice thing to have. Um, the next one, though, is the suite of services that most tech companies I know use this prolifically. It's Google suite of business services from email, um, branded email. So dot for instance, uses uh, branded, I can't remember what they call it, branded Gmail. So yeah. we're using the Gmail software, but it's just with our domain name. Um, calendar, I use my Google Calendar. I don't know about you prolifically. I live and die yes. by my calendar. One of the professional tips I say anyway is have a calendar, Maybe you don't have 15 meetings on it. Like I might do in a given day or you might have Courtney, but <laughs> yeah. when you know how to use a calendar and just, I know it feels simple, but that's a professional tip. Most people miss just learn how to operate through a calendar. Cause if you're going to have a meeting with someone and they do live and die by their com- calendar, like you and I um, being able to have somewhere to send that calendar invite, et cetera, et cetera is, is really key. Yeah. But but G Suite is more than just Gmail or email and calendar. It's also docs and slides and spreadsheets. You want to share a little bit about that? And uh, I'm wow. actually using it. You can't see it if you're listening, but behind me is a as logo using Google Slides.
0: Yeah. So people are doing really interesting things with all of these tools these days. Corey, you're using it on a TV to show a logo. So that's amazing. Uh, I've seen people mock up websites with Google Slides or all sorts of games or interaction with that. So it's used in ways that are not just normal. I'm going to give a presentation. Let me get out my slide deck system. Um, likewise in Docs, you'll see a lot of people are using it for a shared, a shared place to write some text together. So rather than one person taking notes and emailing them back and forth, we're just sharing the same Google Docs interface. Um, And spreadsheets are absolutely important for a lot of measurement related tasks. Also, anytime that you need to track a lot of data. So even if it's as simple as an X or a zero in a box or a one or a zero, just to indicate this thing's done, that thing's done, knowing how to format things and get the spreadsheet software to do some basic math for you. Let the computer do the math for you. I used to actually teach Microsoft Office user exams and the prep work for those. And it's invaluable whether you think you're headed into a traditional office kind of a career, an online web worker, or any number of other places, you're going to interact with these things. Get familiar enough to know the basics. And also maybe spend just enough time looking up how to do a couple complicated things, So you learn how to find resources. You don't need to know everything about these, but learn how to find the resources when you will need to know them.
1: Yeah, and you'll find so many companies nowadays using shared collaboration tools. Actually, we're doing it right now, Courtney. I forgot about that. We have our show notes on a Google shared doc. And I was actually, when I was talking earlier, seeing Courtney writing a little note on there. And so it's, that's, that's the age of the web, but particularly tech companies, you're going to run into this. And I often, now you're in a big corporation. I often joke, kind of take a little shot at big corporations, that their love languages are slides and spreadsheets. So if you know those tools, you're going to be one, one step ahead. And it's, it's good to, to be to be doing that.
0: Yeah. Corey, I have a couple questions for you, actually. Since you owned a company, can you tell me a little bit of an overview about project management and the skills that an employee would need to know coming into a company about how projects get started all the way through launches? If they have a plugin update, what's going on? How do we Mm -hmm. figure out where to find that information?
1: Yeah, most professional um, tech companies particularly in the WordPress space, are using some form of project management software from Trello to Asana to Basecamp. And so familiarization with those is key. Uh, So if you think about it, every business, we have projects that we're trying to get done, whether it's client services in some of the agencies that work in WordPress to product companies to even hosting companies. There's projects that we're trying to make sure we keep track of those, keep them Uh, you know, going, moving forward. And it's pretty critical. I I believe the web industry really took project management to the next level of any of the industries on earth because um, we live and die by our project management and how things are kept on track. And all these tools that we're talking about are developed, I think, mostly, you know, to start about these tech companies who had remote teams and were trying to communicate make sure projects are on task. So it's pretty critical we'll talk about skills in in the next segment but pretty critical that you at least are familiar with some project management how it works cordy you're going to talk about uh the different philosophies and methodologies that they can go google and learn more about but you know having some familiarity knowing how they work you know even if you're in an interview and asking how do you keep track of projects and what software do you use and they might say trello then you can go get a free trello account same with um, the other ones we mentioned like base camp and essentially it's just the central place where we keep track of projects and tasks and milestones I use Trello for all my personal productivity and projects uh, my digital wrangler uses Trello prolifically and helps wrangle it for me mm. and keep me on track too and it's just the way projects get done and uh, so you know, I highly suggest those who actually that's a subgroup, sub role within WordPress that is highly valuable, which is project managers, people that actually own the whole process of getting projects from start to launch. And uh, it's a valuable skill. And if you're a project manager who also speaks tech, you're even more valuable. Like just getting projects done to the fish line is one thing, but if you also know tech, Uh, some of the things we've talked about just touched the surface of, I think you're in a much better place when when you go onto a team because you know how the process works.
0: Absolutely. You mentioned um, some of the methodologies there, agile and scrum. These are terms that before I worked with the events calendar were kind of foreign to me, but as a teacher, they actually make a lot of sense. So agile and scrum are approaches to how we do the work agile is to be flexible. So there is some flexibility to be had. There are also ways to quickly adapt as needed. And Scrum comes with it, the title of Scrum Master Certification. And it's uh, how often I see project managers, but not exclusively, running meetings and they keep track of the flow of the information, make sure everybody is sharing what they're currently working on, what needs to be reviewed, asking if we need to punt, meaning delay some things or move that to what we call the backlog, work on it later. There's ways of going about this. And so I would suggest looking into just a few articles about Agile and Scrum. Be familiar vaguely with how somebody is going to be tracking the work that gets done and all of the players on the team that need to do the work. I think of them almost like a coach at times. And in the teaching world, I would liken it to, um, you know, there's curriculum there. We're assessing along the way. Did the student complete the thing? What was their score? Do they need remediation? Do we need to go back over something? It's They're very similar in their approach. Education and Agile Scrum, I see a lot of good overlaps with that. Um, I am familiar with Asana, Trello, JIRA, and quite a few other tools. There are pros and cons to all of them. I like them all. I would say know one pretty well and be aware that others exist.
1: It's kind of like Slack. You'll kind of get the flow of how a particular company who all do them variations of different, you know? Uh, and so just understanding how things get done, uh, how things in terms of Slack, how things get communicated and some of the etiquette, which we'll talk about in, in another segment down below this one. But, um, so that's some of the, you know, familiarization with the tools that you're going to be better off. if You at least know the names and aren't shocked and yeah. you're like, what's Slack or what's project right. Manager? you know, what's Trello? Um, having those kind of terms is good. I thought to myself for something later on, we should do, uh, Courtney has put together a remote work lingo cheat sheet or something. For sure. So last but not least, before we get to skills, you want to talk about browser uh, inspect tools?
0: Yeah, there are lots of browsers, and if we're working on the web, we should be familiar with the basic tools of the browser. Aside from visiting a website or adding extensions and bookmarks and oh, all of the extra bars that people used to put at the top of their browsers, there are other tools that are in there that are meant for developers, and people often don't know that they're there. In Chrome, you would go to um, look for the developer tools, and it's the browser inspect element in there, you can actually find a lot of information about how the website performs. Google has a great series of videos all about the developer tools. Safari also includes developer tools as does Firefox. Each of these places you would want to go to and read up about how they use the developer tools. What are the shortcuts to get to them? You can learn inside of that what a website is using. If the website is running WordPress or not, Uh, when the latest edition of whitehouse.gov launched, I immediately pulled up my developer tools and went looking to see if it was built with WordPress. Inside of there, we could find HTML and CSS. I could also see the layers of technology that are being used. I could find the font library. I can navigate through the media folder to an extent. Some of those areas developers may choose to hide maybe. So it might be a little hard, but you can certainly see the HTML, CSS, and JavaScript going on on a site load. There's a lot of good stuff in there.
1: I was about to say, this is like another cool kid tip. Cool kid yeah. tip Do the browser inspect tools. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about skills now. This is one of the areas I really love. Um, and you know, with my team at iThemes and any team I'm a part of, I love helping people grow their skills to say that you're not let's say you go through college, get a degree or some certification or whatever, you haven't arrived. My emphasis, my philosophy is no one has arrived. We're always in the process of growing. And so we're just going to mention two or three of these skill sets now, but in addition to what's required for the job or role you're wanting to seek out, these are two vital ones. I'll mention as both somebody that's hired uh, lots of team members over the years and then been in interviews and these skills have helped me tremendously over the years and they're almost one of the same, but I'll, the first one is writing um, everything, just knowing how to write well, knowing how to use the great tools. If you go, okay, why well, don't write very well? Well, there's always spell, spell check. There's free tools like Grammarly that you can check and just do a once over. There's not really an excuse for putting something out there that hasn't been at least spell check. And if you want to go the next, um, you know, step, it'd be Grammarly or something like that. But um, so writing everything from emails, and I'm not talking about emails and a big newsletter that goes out or anything. That's, that's helpful. Uh, but that could be helpful for you. But I'm talking about like writing an email to another teammate, or if you're in business development or something like that, writing that, email that sounds like it comes from a human that understands that's clear and understands what they're trying to say and ask for. Uh, But it also pertains to writing like a Slack message we talked about earlier or tweets, social media, all the way to like more in-depth actual full-on writing like blog posts or eBooks, things of that nature. Writing is a skill set. I've got a book behind me uh, called On Writing Well. It's uh, you can go to Amazon, just type in on writing well and get the latest edition. It's probably in like its 10th edition now. It is the best book on writing that I could give anybody. Um, it is an exa- it is an example of clear, succinct writing as well. The book itself is just a perfect example of great writing. But if you write, and I think some of the Basecamp founders talked about this uh, a while back, that is a killer uh feature to have on your resume if you understand writing because in the era of the web what we do we live we make the internet we build the internet we post publish on the internet which wordpress helps you do when you are a good writer from those basic emails to other colleagues all the way to blog posts, that's a skill set you'll stand out as a developer back office person support tech whatever job or role you're trying to get in wordpress and any company i would say writing is definitely an asset. What are your thoughts on that?
0: Knowing your audience, knowing how to be succinct when needed, or to expand the story a little bit longer when it's important to do so are all really good. Having your skills with writing will transfer over to so many other areas. I think about my time writing knowledge-based articles, writing release posts, writing content marketing pieces about the tools that the company I was with we're issuing. I also think about developers writing their change logs in a way that other people besides themselves could understand. A change log is kind of the cliff notes of what a developer changed and tweaked in the code. And so knowing your audience always and thinking about will they understand if I say it like this? Have I used too much jargon or not? Those are all really important skills. Also, how do I catch people's attention? So if we're writing in Slack, That might be formatting it in a certain way, being a little bit more fancy than plain text, adding emojis, bold, italics, what have you, knowing how to format the things that you're putting out. And it doesn't necessarily need to be like, I'm going to be a professional published writer, but knowing how to use text to communicate with others in a way that helps them pay attention and get to the point.
1: (laughs) Those are great tips. The next one is the bigger topic, of what we're talking about here, which is communicating. And just that it cannot be understated as a skill set, not even in WordPress, any business. Being able to communicate clearly to other humans isn't such an, an asset. If you're at a service company doing client work, giving client updates, sharing with your project manager or your team updates, whether it's Slack or email or whatever else, is so vital but it's the thing. It feels like Captain Obvious saying this, Courtney. But I feel like I have to say it: is that focusing on good communication, thinking about the other person, what questions they might ask, giving regular, consistent updates for your team, your project manager, or client, or whoever that is. In fact, I'm working on a. I've got a project with an agency right now, and one of the things I'm I'm I've, I've kind of scratched my head about is like consistent client updates. Just being able to, hey, here's where we're at. I don't have these answers yet. But I'm working on these and here's where we're at. And that kind of status type update email is critical in any environment that I've ever been in, in any business or organization. Just just empathetically thinking what they probably want an update. If I was on the other side, I'd want an update. That goes from like being a support tech at a product company that we talked about, you know. You're, you're waiting on a bug fix from a developer, but your clients or your customers out there hanging, they haven't heard that. They can't read your mind. They're not in your office or on your team. And saying, hey, don't have an update yet. Expect to have one in 24 hours. I'll get back to you as soon as possible. And if 24 hours happens, okay, hey, just giving you another update. That is so vital, I tell you. And so mm-hmm. so much gold that people will do it. But don't assume and work consistently, always, forever. In fact, LinkedIn, I'm seeing it all the time. It's like communication is top five skills Mm. that employers want now and that is that's the same for wordpress companies okay so those are two little primers quick thoughts on writing as a skill set that can help you differentiate and get a job Uh, and then communication something we all we're all dependent on each other in fact automatic the company that undergirds wordpress uh, talks about uh, communication is oxygen for a team that's Mm. so good Okay. Last but not least is etiquette. We're just going to give a couple of notes on etiquette. Again, all of these, I think Courtney could be full on hour sessions by themselves.
0: Yeah, they really could.
1: What's your first thought here on etiquette?
0: Uh, So work versus email. There are times when somebody needs to go head down and get the work done. And then there are times where you need to power through with your email inbox and things. And so, If I can get away with not having to send an email, I really try to. If that's a quick Slack message that can wait. I also don't hesitate to schedule when my emails get sent. I might write them when it's convenient for me to write them, but they may not go out and be sent. And I do the same thing in Slack. I'll write it when I'm thinking about it so I don't lose the thing, but I will schedule the send so that it doesn't seem like I'm trying to bother somebody on a weekend or at night in their time zone or whatever. Also, there are times where I will just block my calendar and say, I'm not touching Slack. I'm not touching email because I need to get stuff done. And if people keep trying to ask me for a meeting that day, (laughs) or could you look at this thing or whatever, it can really mess up the flow of getting the work done. A lot of us call that heads down time. We're just, we're around We'll put a fire out if we absolutely must, but please don't interrupt us and let us get some things done sometimes. There's that too, to knowing the balance.
1: Uh, I've heard it also called deep work and in, in this age of distraction, continual distraction. Uh it's hard to get that sometimes.
0: Yeah, it's really important though. So, Corey, what kind of etiquette advice do you have as it relates to Slack?
1: It, you know, it, this is about communicating and it's not the expectation that you should be on Slack all the time. That's one of the hesitations I had, even mentioning that Zoom and Slack have mobile apps mm-hmm. that I put on my phone. But being green on Slack is kind of saying, I'm here and available. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to learn the etiquette of the specific team you're at. Um, but typically, Slack has this little uh next to your photo has a little green dot when you're live at, or I'm sorry, when you're on the app, signed in. And uh, when you're not, it's dark or just now the interface is just blank. It's just a blank circle. Mm-hmm. And so my calendar actually, you might notice this because we're on the same slack, Courtney, but when I'm in a meeting it actually puts up a little calendar icon that we've got an integration for. Mm-hmm. but, Um, I tell my team, hit me up anytime. Now that's different. I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, I have different teams and different projects going on. I don't mind that, but I'll tell you, you know, being green on Slack, just making sure you just kind of like scan up there for a second uh, is a key part of just, okay, I'm here and I'm available. Uh, I have a team member who over communicates on Slack. She'll say, or they will say AFK away from keyboard. You know, when they're at a coffee break or something. Um, I happen to I don't expect uh them to put AFK or whatever when they're just like going for the bathroom or you know, I have to take a call. Um, but that person is very communicative and I always appreciate it because I know if I go into that room, I can see um that person's away from their keyboard or taking a quick coffee break or I had to run an errand. And so I'm not just messaging that person and not getting a response and getting frustrated. Again, this is just something you got to like fill out for yourself on a team, but green on Slack is something that uh, we use pretty prolifically. In fact, some team members, when they'll hit me up, I'll be like, are you, are you on, on? Uh, And they'll be like, yeah, I have been all morning. Well, you're not green on Slack. It's kind of one of those little etiquette things that I assume sometimes.
0: Yeah. I, that's also where knowing if this person is up for asynchronous communication, meaning send me a message. I will get to it when it's the appropriate time for me to check my messages. I know that I try to be mindful of that depending upon the individuals that I'm coordinating with. And that's where Slack's scheduling might also help come into play where I could schedule a message when I anticipate that they will be back and that they can check on something. Um, I am really good though, about turning notifications on my phone and my, it goes to my watch too. I make sure I stay on top of how many badges even show up. If the thing has permission to push a notice at my phone, I'm of the mindset that I would like the thing to be on my phone in case I feel that I need it, but that it should not control me. If I'm not at my computer, if it's not during expected work time for me, if I have no meetings, then the people that need to reach me in an more urgent situation of how to text message me if it's that type of a scenario, but I don't let it start going off at all hours of the day or night. I really control that. So knowing your etiquette and when it's okay to be asynchronous. Um,
1: And there's a setting within Slack. You can actually mute notifications during certain points. So I knew my team knew my phone was going to bing, 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 ding, ding, you know, all night after my certain time. But if they really needed me, give me a phone call. Like if something was literally burning, call me.
0: Right. Same.
1: Okay. What's next Courtney on this under our etiquette banner?
0: Uh, yeah. So knowing how to receive feedback from your team members and leaders, that one can be positive or perhaps an area of improvement of feedback that you're being told receiving feedback as praise for some people feels really good. And for other people that can feel really challenging. Likewise, receiving feedback that you need to work on something can feel like the world is falling apart or it could be kind of, okay, I'll receive that and work on that thing and move on. So you want to find that right balance of receiving the feedback because you're going to get feedback. If you shipped something at the end of releasing something, whether it's building a website for somebody, shipping an update to a thing you're going to reflect back on that experience and think about what could we have done either individually or as a team to improve next time. What did we do really well? And let's make sure that the things we did really well, that we keep doing that type of thing really well, expanding our understanding of how to do our job is really important in that receiving feedback. And similar to that, I want to say the last thing goes sort of hand in hand with that is also, um, Owning your outcomes. So that means being personally responsible, not that you need to accept blame for things that are not your control. But if you make a mistake, and I had one of these kind of things happen, there was a mistake that I made where we were shipping an update to a plugin and I put the wrong numbers in. And that went out publicly and I caught it pretty quickly and went and fixed the thing, but not before my manager asked, hey, how'd this happen? And so in a public space, I had to own the outcome. I said, here's the scenario that happened. I will ensure that I work on that in the future. And it actually didn't happen again. Likewise, if you did something really good, not that you need lots of credit in the world for the really awesome job that you did, but it doesn't hurt to sometimes let it be known I stepped in and did this thing because you don't want to be in a place where you get overlooked or neglected for the good that you are doing as well. So owning your outcomes is to take ownership of whatever the outcome is. And if you need to own up to, I need to fix it. Great. Do it. If you need to own up to, I did a really good job and I should probably let someone know, even if that's a little weird or awkward for me, that helps others as well in that process so that nobody gets overlooked.
1: That's, I think, such a great tip. Um, the, the one I'll leave us with is, um, there's likely someone on the team that is really the helpful person, you know, and uh, I, I didn't want to just say get a, get a mentor on the team, but, um, we tried to do this. And last half I was a part of the team at iThemes is, uh, have a buddy pair them up with someone mm-hmm. that knows all of these kind of etiquette things and where the, where the, where the tools are and what what all the links are and how, how things kind of operate and uh, the norms and the etiquette. And so I'd say find a buddy and ask them questions and just try to develop a relationship because someone that's been there a while, it's very helpful, um, is such an asset for you. And you'll find that, you know, Gallup says, uh, find a best friend at work. That's part of the key to empowering people and engaged team members. And mm-hmm. so uh, you're only going to benefit. I can name you probably every best friend at work I've had since I started working when I was 16 officially, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. So find a, find a buddy at work that that can kind of be in your corner and show mm-hmm. you the ropes. If your team doesn't already kind of assign you one. Yeah. Well, Courtney, yeah. this has been a great episode. I think we give them, gave them some terms to go Google and look around for and read more on. Um, but a basic primer about the school the skills the tools the um you know nuances with wordpress themes plugins the admins uh the back-end admin dashboard we talked about and then finally edit and so it's been a great uh webinar today so thank you so much courtney
0: it's going to be with any, you corey
1: any final takeaways you want to share before we in this episode next episode will be uh starting a project we're going to give you some specific homework in that next episode
0: Yeah, that communication skill is going to come into play on the startup project for sure.
1: We're going to really push you into creating a WordPress.org user and uh, installing WordPress. So be sure and stay tuned for the next episode, episode four. All right. Thanks, Courtney, for your time today. And thanks, everybody, for listening.
0: See you next week.